Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood, tips and tricks, products we love, and brands that we can't live without. Let's get into it. Why is that blurry? (laughs) Good morning. (laughs) Why is that blurry, i.e. my life? No, um, good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, Bank holiday weekend. Love to say that I'd been away somewhere, but I haven't. No. Um, But it was lovely all the same. How about you? Yeah, I have worked all weekend. So I did Saturday, (laughs) Sunday and Monday. But I've got to be honest with you, we had a lot of fun because it was Doz's birthday on Sunday. And Aww. a big man turned 36, still got a toy boy, loving it. And um, <laughs> it was just nice because we had some mates around, like one other family, and they were in the garden. And I feel like I always have to say that, like someone's going to go, I did know. they step inside for a wee? And you're like, no, no, they were in the garden. They were doing garden pisses all they over the place. They had three wees yeah. in seven hours. Yeah. Is that okay? <laughs> they were all doing Do you know what, though? Do you know what, though? Yeah. I do feel like that. And sometimes as well, you know, like when you're on you know, Instagram and someone's put like... I don't know, uh, you know, they've taken a photo of themselves outside a coffee shop and they're like, just having a coffee with a friend outside. And it's like, yeah, but we know you're outside because there's nowhere open inside. Yeah. So you don't even need to caveat it, but you do feel like, I mean, I I, I mean, I feel like I can't even sneeze. Like oh, no. if I sneeze in the playground when I'm picking Axel up, I feel like having like a sign saying, it's okay, I've got hay fever. Don't worry, it's <laughs> yeah, okay. It was really funny. Somebody <laughs> sent us a message the other day um, on Instagram and it said, um, just listening to your podcast with Alison Scott Wright that we did on Reflux. This was ages ago. And they said, Zoe, you were coughing throughout the entire episode. Imagine that in COVID days. And it's like, oh my God, I was literally going, <laughs> like you can't do it, can you? You cannot. No. And my problem is, is, is that when I sneeze and I don't go her chew and I hold it in I let out a bit of wee it's always a nightmare for me so yeah so it's nice that we've gone in straight away and just shared which I feel like we always do George um we do we, that's what we're here for <laughs> we, we are um oh gosh well it's, it's quite hard to put it into words how we're feeling about this chat because um we have waited a long time to speak to this wonderful woman and um, we were just trying to make sure that the timing was right with her new book coming out and we we've followed her journey haven't we um over the last four years to where she's got to today and I, I don't think anybody isn't profoundly moved by this person and everything that she's gone through no absolutely not we actually recorded this this last week and it was um on the publication day of her book and I think you know as Zoe said we we have followed her journey for the you know throughout the last four years but I mean, I came away from that chat with goosebumps, tears in my eyes, but 
just I felt so happy for her and just she's just a really wonderful woman Uh, incredibly strong incredibly funny just incredibly warm she's just she's everything I I really yeah Yeah. I think you're really gonna love this chat yeah and I I felt really inspired to talk more about fertility you know there's Mm. certain people that you meet in your life that bang the drum really loudly and I'm sometimes frightened to to have a huge opinion on you know on certain subjects because I don't yeah. want to take what I might get you know from people you know when you, when mm. you have a very loud voice on social media um there's always a danger that you're going to get obviously people's opinions they don't agree with you yes. and they're going to maybe troll you or maybe say something or and I'm I'm just I like my life too much to be affected by that and I think I'm not suggesting that anybody would troll this person but I'm, I'm sometimes scared to really say how I feel um which yeah. is which is quite a big admission from me because you know you know me and and you George you know we, we always say it how it is and we're, we're very honest and real with what we have conversations about but there are definitely things that I hold back on and when you meet somebody like this person and you chat to her and you think wow she has put everything out there she has shared shared every inch of the journey mm-hmm. it is inspiring right it it's is. really inspiring and last week we had a conversation around fertility it's not a subject that we have really covered is it no not in depth definitely not and um, you know we, we've touched on IVF with Megan Stevens yeah. a good couple of years ago now um but definitely not infertility second time round um for sure because I think that's something that you know your mind boggles I mean yeah. your mind boggles anyway but mm. um it, it yeah it, yeah it can bring up quite a, a, like a how can this be happening and also mm. just just a warning as well before we get into this this chat we do talk a lot about baby loss and that might be you know very triggering and upsetting to to you guys so just be aware of that it's a really beautiful chat it's very uplifting towards the end and yeah who are we chatting to today G? Today we are chatting to the unbelievably wonderful, I don't have enough good words to say about her, Elle Wright, known on Instagram as Feathering the Empty Nest. Got such a big smile on my face today um, because today's guest, uh, mother, author, speaker, blogger, uh, she has shone a light uh, in the most powerful way of her experiences around baby loss uh, after she tragically lost her son, Teddy. Uh, She's been on yet another massive journey uh, to having her second baby, a little girl called Olivia. We can't wait to chat to her about that today. Um, And she's just written her brand new book, A Bump in the Road, which is also out today. What an honour to be catching her on publication day because I imagine she's absolutely manic we are so thrilled to be chatting to the absolutely wonderful l Wright from feathering the empty nest welcome hello thank you both thank you both for having me thank you for coming on and squeezing us in we always start these chats at the moment by literally just asking people how they are it's been a really strange year and for you you know you've written a book you've had a baby i mean how has it been <laughs> it's been a weird one i'll be honest um not how I envisaged last year going at all, uh, uh, not how any of us envisaged last year going. It was so I wrote the book, um, at kind of at the beginning of lockdown part one, when everyone else was, you know, baking banana bread and working out with Joe Wicks and whatnot. I was sort of sitting there at my laptop, like, ah, um, but I was pregnant with Olivia, didn't know it was Olivia, um, and it was, it was kind of a blessing and a curse because. 
for me and for anyone experiencing pregnancy after loss, and I think particularly after a full-term loss, a stillbirth or neonatal death, there doesn't come a time in that pregnancy in which your mind lets you relax or believe that that everything's going to go well and work out well. And so actually my anxiety just sort of ramped up towards the end, which was really horrific at the time Mm. Um, and quite debilitating. Like I couldn't leave the house. And that was at the time when we were all sort of, do you remember that period of time when Boris sort of let us all back out in the world for a bit? Yeah. For a was few months. It feels like a dream now, June. doesn't it? Yeah. It yeah, like June. Yeah. June, July. And she yeah. was born in July. And so for that time period when people started saying, oh, do you want to meet up? And I, I couldn't leave the house because I was I was so anxious in those last weeks that yeah. it was really torturous. Um, but I'd written the book. I wrote the book over the sort of first part of the spring and early summer and so that was kind of done and shelved and I thought right all I all I need to do now all I need to do is bring bring this baby into the world safely and and if I need to protect my own heart and just hunker down and Mm. not see anyone or do anything or do any work commitments then that's what that's what has to be um and then obviously she arrived rather dramatically but safely the following month in in July and the last nine months, I can't even tell you where they've gone. I know that's so <laughs> cliche and everyone says that when they've had a baby, but I just feel like someone's pressed fast, fast forward on my life. And it's, yeah. but we're doing okay. We're doing okay. It's, it's nice now in the, you know, the last few weeks we've started to go to our first classes and I was kind of worried that she'd be shy and, you know, she'd be really clingy to me, but she was the class clown and she loved it. And she was like trying to crawl over to all the other babies and she was squealing with delight at all the songs. And so, yeah, it was great to see her finally in that setting of you know, mm. seeing human beings. It was lovely. You feel like you've had yeah. uh, a moment of normality after so much abnormality. It's it's funny, yeah. isn't it? It's just like a baby class can bring you so much joy because lots of people that have given birth during a pandemic, they just haven't been to those experiences. No. And I feel like, my, I don't know about you girls, if you feel this, but I feel like my needs now of what I want to do now we can do a bit more are so basic I I just want Mm. to have a friend in the house for coffee you know I don't want to go wild I Mm. just want a tiny bit of normality I'm not asking for much and I feel like even stuff like that as a mum to a small baby you know those are the little things that get you through those days when you feel tired or you know a bit overwhelmed by everything so yeah just being able to have that back is going to be great yeah we we were talking about soft play George the other day weren't we about how much we're just desperate Even at the time we were like the soft play is fucking awful but now we're like oh get us back to a jungle gym we can't wait that shit coffee that they serve is going to be amazing it's going to taste great buzzing for soft yeah. play <laughs> I reckon so many of my so many of my friends have said that though. It's a similar situation. Everyone normally hates soft play with, yeah. with a passion. Yeah. It's like the breeding ground for all viruses, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, everyone's kid comes up soft play with a cough or a cold. And now all my friends are like, can't bloody wait till soft play opens yeah. up. Just, you know, yeah. throw them in a ball pit and walk off. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Let's get them back in there. <laughs> um, you mentioned, you know, feeling very anxious throughout your pregnancy. Do you think, um, you know, right at the end, when you've maybe finished writing the book do you think it provided a distraction for you and you know almost was it almost therapeutic to get everything out um and I guess take your mind off your pregnancy yeah do you know what it was hugely cathartic and I've always found that with writing that was why I started writing in the first place and writing about losing Teddy because I felt like I needed that as a form of of therapy Mm. just to 
blurt it all out down on a page and sort of put it out into the universe and hope that other people went oh yeah me too I I feel a bit like that because it happened to me and that was kind of the the purpose and the process of writing this book as well was that you know I was able to use that time when I was incredibly anxious to look back on actually what we had just walked through in the past four years at the time since yeah. Teddy had died and and all of those treatment rounds and cycles and drugs and it was actually quite a weird process to write it all out in detail and there were times when I just stopped writing and read passages back and I was like that was really hard like that mm. was it you know almost when you've been through something horrific and it's like you're looking at it in the rearview mirror thinking fuck how did I how did how I get yeah. through that mm. yeah totally mm. and that I think a lot of that came over me when I was writing the book um but it, yeah it was a massive form of escapism and actually it gave me it gave me a focus it gave me something else to do other than sit all day and worry about yeah. whether my baby was going to live or die at the end of that pregnancy so it was a big escapism I mean, I think there's so much that we want to talk to you about today. There feels like there's a, there's a million questions that both George and I have kind of got bubbling up. But I want to kind of maybe take you back to um, after Teddy died and mm -hmm. those conversations around starting to have another baby and mm -hmm. what that was like for you. And, and when was that decision? It's, it's a really difficult one to explain. But when I've spoken to other mums who have lost a child, it's something that I feel like we all talk about quite freely. And I think there's a, firstly, there's a lot of feelings of guilt when you go to try again after your, your child yeah. has died, because you almost feel at a time when you feel so vulnerable and so sad and like all your friends are watching you to see what you do next. Yeah. Like, you know, you're that person who turns up to a social thing and everyone's like, well, don't say the word baby because Elle's here. You know, it's you yeah. feel like yeah. even though they're probably not watching you, you feel like the spotlight's on you. And I remember feeling like that at everything we turned up to, the few things we turned up to in probably the year after Teddy died. Yeah. And so you kind of get this feeling that if you were to try again, or to announce a pregnancy that people would people would have their own feelings of oh was that was that too soon it, it, yeah you, you feel guilty you feel you yeah. feel guilty and you feel like people might think less of you it's such a weird there's, there's a lot to unpack I think emotion wise there yeah um but for us it didn't really feel like a conversation and a and a conscious decision it was just a given that you know we were we were ready to be parents we were ready to be parents when we started trying to to have a baby and I think when you know as you guys know when you consciously make that decision together we're ready to be parents we, we want to have a baby and then that pregnancy ends at what at whatever point and and the end result isn't a baby who you get to bring home yeah you're still ready you never stopped being ready just because that child isn't here and so we you know after the first kind of weeks and couple of months we just went straight back in to to trying for another baby not mm. in an effort to replace what we had lost in teddy but in an effort to create another human who we could pour all of that missing that love had nowhere to go do you know what I mean it was yeah. like yeah has nowhere to go because that little person who you've waited for isn't there and so I guess we just wanted to create another little person who we could direct it into 
And yeah. I've spoken to a lot of other lost mums and they've said they felt exactly the, the same way, that it wasn't really a thing that they had to sit down and have a conversation about. It was just yeah. a, of course we want another baby. We wanted that baby. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, and you know, as with any anything like that, there's never a right time, is there? Totally. And everyone is... Did you know were there experts saying to you, "Oh, you know, this is how long you should wait, or this is what you might feel," um, or, or did you know, or are you left after something like that happens? I didn't really have any guidance from any, yeah, hospital doctors or nurses. Midwives came to the house after Teddy died to do their their normal, you know postnatal checks and sort of sit with me while I just cried on the end of the bed and and weirdly apologized to them that they were here having to come and see me when they should be visiting happy mums with bouncing babies I was like you shouldn't be here you should you know you should be oh, hell. Uh, yeah but you you know it's such an incredibly British thing to do isn't it you isn't do it? that thing where you're like yeah apologizing for your very existence and I think my mum banned the word sorry she was like no nobody nobody else says sorry in this house because I just kept apologizing to everyone because you feel like what you what has happened to you is making everyone else so sad and you want to make that better but yeah with regards to support I mean I remember walking out of the hospital the the night that he died and we we left the hospital they were really kind they said we could stay the night um again but I just wanted to get the hell out of there I you know we'd spent three days in a neonatal unit I felt horrendous I just wanted to go home and climb into my own bed and never come out again to be honest but they just gave us a bunch of leaflets and it was just literally a bunch of leaflets on and I I have to say I do think that the the support the awareness and the funding around support for bereaved parents has got a hell of a lot better in the last five years. Thank goodness it has. That's good to hear. Um, mm. And you know I've put a lot of my time into helping not just the the neonatal charity who who cared for our son but also charities like Tommy's um I'm a patron for uh Jen Reed's charity Teddy's Wish that funds counseling for parents who have just lost a child um but they didn't really say you know try try again at this point or don't try again until this point it wasn't really like you know, when you have a, a miscarriage and they say, right, yeah. you need to wait however long. Yeah. One cycle or two cycles. Or, you know, when we had IVF, it was like, we need to wait till you've had two periods before we can at least yeah. go again. It wasn't really like that. I, I guess it was more just the assumption that you kind of wanted to be left alone and that maybe trying for another baby straight away was the last thing on your mind. I, mm. I don't I, know. I, I see. I think I've read, I, well, I have read quite a bit about you, um, you know, finding sort of solace or comfort in, you know, other lost mums and having those conversations with them. Um, did you feel that your friends who hadn't lost a child didn't understand what you were going through? Were people saying stuff to you that was was kind of triggering stuff? Were people understanding? How was that process for you? Because I can imagine it being pretty difficult. It was hugely difficult because it's such an isolating experience when you feel like you're the only person who's mm. gone through it. And I think that was definitely what motivated me, spurred me on to go and find some other unlucky people like me. <laughs> that was like my, surely somebody else must have gone through this. And um, and that was definitely what made me think, right, I need to connect with other people who do get this and do understand what I'm thinking and feeling right now, because otherwise I don't think 
I don't think I'm going to survive those emotions if I have nobody to to talk to about it who truly understands because they're going through it too. And as much as your friends want to support you and they 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 love you so much they they cannot none of us can understand just like I cannot understand what it like what it's like to lose a parent because both of my parents are still here and but I have had friends who have lost a parent and it's incredibly difficult to know the right thing to say isn't it when you've not of course and you know that you love them so much and you want to be there for them um but you you know it's it's so tough and I could I could almost see, or I could see on my friends' faces when they came to see me, they were kind of hesitant in what they should say to me and how. But And I remember with one of my best friends, also called Zoe, she sat with me and she, she'd come to my mum's house and I remember her almost sitting sort of next to me on the sofa and it was like she was a bit scared of me. You know, we've been best friends for <laughs> forever. She was, it was, she was terrified that she was going to say the wrong thing and... And she was being really weird with me. And I just remember leaning forward and I put my hands on her on her arm and her leg and I went, mate, can you just treat me like a normal person for a minute? Because <laughs> yeah. I've, not had a person- I said, I've not had a personality transplant. Yeah. I said, I still want you to take the piss out of me. I said, I'm still a complete dickhead most of the time. You do not have to tiptoe around me just it's because it's happened. I said, and I need you to know that if we're gonna, if we're gonna, if you're gonna be able to support me through this and we're gonna go forward doing this together then you just need to know that and I was like there is nothing too stupid or or any question off limits that you could say to me right now and I was like it might upset me but if you do upset me I'll let you know and I'll let you know why but I said please don't be scared of saying the wrong thing because otherwise we're never gonna and I could just see on her face the moment I did that she was like oh thanks for that because people want to have the conversation don't they we you know this is why we are so like we're so blown away by you Elle because I think I I mentioned it right at the beginning in my introduction but you have shone such an important light on it because people go through this and people do not know what to say so they almost don't know how to support so they stop supporting or at least they support from a distance and sort of say you know the phrases that we all think we should say but actually having a deep level of understanding we have to have these conversations um so like thank you for letting us have it with you because I think it's it, you know we, we did a um a baby loss special um and baby loss awareness week and we got our listeners to tell their stories around miscarriage and baby loss and it was such yeah. a powerful episode because suddenly we were hearing from the women that were going through it and actually mm-hmm. people don't tend to talk about it it's not a subject that yeah. is that freely spoken about so yeah it's like a real honor to have it yeah, yeah and I think it's a real you. that's honestly that my pleasure is all mine to even be here and have be given a platform to talk about it because I think that is part of the psycho catch 22 the 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 less we all talk about it or learn mm-hmm. how to talk about it that it won't happen and and so on and so forth and I I truly believe that for decades that has what has happened like a lot mm-hmm. of women's issues we're just oh that's a that's something that happens that women go through and we're not really going to talk about that you know I've had absolutely heartbreaking emails from women who are my mum's age and older who lost children 40 years ago and left hospital having been told they weren't allowed to see that baby and or know who that baby was and they probably shouldn't name that baby and actually you know off you go you just go home now and uh, you know we're left with the the parting line of at least you know you get you can get pregnant pregnant. at least you know you can try Mm. again And they're reading those back, you know, that is just, 
there was no no level of support you know I say that support has has changed in the last five years but at least there was there has been some in recent years at, at that time it was it was non-existent and, and so it's I think it's great now that you know you girls are doing things like that where pe- you're elevating people's voices who mm. otherwise would would go unheard and their stories would go unheard and I think it's really important to remember I always try and remember when I'm writing blog posts I have when I press send on that blog post or when you guys put this out into the universe you have no idea who's listening you have you have we have absolutely no idea who's mm. going to listen and you might just be the voice or the piece of writing that that person needed on that day when they felt like nobody else understood mm. what was going through their head yeah and you absolutely. know that's that is literally the reason why I carry on doing it <laughs> Yeah. And also one of the great things about social media is that you can find people going through similar experiences yeah. as you at the same time as you and you can connect, which would never have happened before. Exactly. Um, it's, a, it's a wonder. Social media for all its faults. And, you know, um, there are some things that are pretty broken. Yeah. But the, the great stuff is that, you know, you can you can find people who are going through a, treading a similar journey to you and you can support each other. Exactly. Or you can just find someone who's got like a great bathroom who you want. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Or like, yeah, great stair. Exactly. What's, what's the yeah. thing that goes down the stair runners? I've got like stair runner porn going on at my yeah. phone at the moment. I'm like, I can't stop because yeah. we're just about to buy a house. And I'm like, oh, this stair runner's nice. And Dozzle was like, you used to send me sexy photos. And now it's just stairs. <laughs> stair runners. <laughs> Welcome to midlife. That's what it's all about. Um, yeah, so, right. um, Elle, you've, you've obviously gone through that whole experience with Teddy the worst thing to happen in the world. And I've just read the first couple of pages of your new book. And congratulations, mm-hmm. by the way. Again, obviously publication day Thank today. You. So very exciting. And but like super shocking to read that you then went through another baby loss only six months after losing Teddy. So talk to us about that. Yeah, so get leading on from what you were saying about when do you try again and what we were really lucky, I guess, if lucky is the right word. Um that we felt, I found out that we'd fallen pregnant again at the end of the October in 2016. So it was four and a half months after after Teddy had died. And I, I'll be honest, I hadn't expected that because it had taken us 10 months when we were trying for him. Um, and I fully expected it to take that, if not longer, because I was, you know, my body had just been through a full-term pregnancy. Yeah. I was emotionally and mentally broken and when I found out I was pregnant again, you know, we were quietly over the moon. Um, and I didn't really tell anyone. I kept We kept it largely to ourselves. Um, and when we got to our 12-week scan, we were told something didn't, something didn't look right. We would do some more genetic testing. We would do this. Um, yeah, I've never really spoken about it much. And I, I'm still quite hesitant to talk about the exact details of that um just because I think I went through so much in that time it it was just like really it was it felt so impossible and I remember going for um like a CVS you know when they put a needle in your tummy on 2016 the day before Christmas Eve we went to St George's Hospital for that and I've I'll be honest I've never felt so fucking unfestive in my life it was just utterly miserable we we were facing our first Christmas you know without Teddy having gone through all of that and then that's what we were doing was going to hospital for more diagnostics on a baby that would probably not live if we went to a full-term pregnancy um and I remember my we then had a wait for for results and 
scan tests and all kinds of stuff that they took bloods and all sorts and they my consultant called me on new year's eve at six o'clock in the evening and I remember her phone flashing up and I knew it was her and she said her first word was I'm really sorry but I need to tell you that you know the baby's really unwell and if you if you if you choose to continue with the pregnancy I cannot tell you what that's going to look like whether you will make it much further at all whether you'll make it to the end whether your baby will live for a matter of hours when it's born or days maybe and it's really weird I think there's again a lot of guilt with a termination for medical reasons because you feel like you've made a choice Mm. and you haven't made a choice you've been handed the shittiest hand and yet as women again we're made to think oh I had to sign a piece of paper that said that I was willing to do that. And I think there's a huge, particularly with termination for medical reasons, there's a huge, huge stigma and a huge amount of guilt attached to it. And there needn't be. Yeah. Because, you know, none of us, not one of us has the ability to control when we conceive a child, whether that child is going to be compatible with life or as med, you know, medical experts say, incompatible with life. We, yeah. we don't get that choice, none of us. No. And so then to be, you know, have to go through that process, it was just horrific. Um, and I, that was actually the point. I think that the two weeks after we lost that baby, that was when I said, to my husband I cannot be the only person in the world who has been this perpetually unlucky there has to be other people and I'm going to start writing about I'm going to start writing about all of it because I just feel so crap right now I want to know that there's someone else out there who feels as crap as I do Mm. (laughs) I want to find her (laughs) and um you know because you find yourself googling really weird things in the middle of the night and you think okay I can't be the only person who's completed google um and, and not and not found and not found the soulmate found, that's also yeah, yeah. Found, and did you an and what 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 happened I, it was really weird it was one of those things I remember pressing send on like that f- publish on that first blog post and thinking no one's gonna read it um and literally within a matter of a couple of weeks I'd gone from like no one following me on Instagram like bar my mum and a few friends to suddenly all these people were writing to me and uh, my blog was being shared and it was being shared by sort of much bigger accounts, people who I'd followed for ages on Instagram and thought, you know, oh my God, they're they're doing wonderful things in raising awareness of, of, of different women's issues. And, and it just really snowballed from there. We'll be right back after the short break. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? 
And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. So welcome back, uh, back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Where were we? And so, you know, you've had I mean, a, a, an awful, awful year, probably the worst year that anyone could could have. How how did you, you know, decide to keep, you know, to keep going from there? Was there ever a question as to whether you would keep going, trying to become parents, you know, again? again. I don't think there was, but it then became really apparent not long after that loss that I mean quite frankly my reproductive system did just sort of shut up shop and say no thank you very much you've put us through enough in recent years um we're off and I I don't I quite frankly I don't blame my ovaries or my uterus for feeling that way because it was just horrendous and my periods just disappeared they just did not come back was that from stress do you think that was just everything that you'd been through well, my consultant, so first of all, I had to go back in in like the March, so a couple of months later, because I had a scan, because they took my bloods and they said, we can still detect pregnancy hormone, but we know you're not pregnant. Yeah. Um, and then they, I had another scan and uh, they said, we think we can see a shadow. We think that there's a, re- like they call it, mm. I hate the language that they use, retained products of pregnancy. So whether that be pl- a bit of placenta, placenta. left over yeah. or whatever. Mm. Um, and so I had to go in for an operation for that, to remove that. Um, and I remember her saying, you know, once we've done this, ch- chances are ne- next month your period will come back. I would recommend that you wait for two cycles. So that was when the advice did start to come in because, you know, that had been a uh, a medically assisted loss, managed loss yeah. um, before you start to think about trying again. But I also remember her saying, you know, you've been through a lot now and actually that just bear that in mind. She was really mindful and kind when she said it and she was mm. so right in what she said because my body and my 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 heart was just broken mm. um and yeah and then when they didn't come back my period still after that operation I went back for another checkup with her and that was when we kind of ended up setting down this road of you know tests and investigations and you know I think eight months after that it turned into hormone therapy which the following year turned into a drug called metformin and then clomid and you know yeah. then then you're on that merry-go-round of of heading towards assisted fertility yeah um and it just kind of sucks you in it's the only way I can describe it <laughs> yeah would you say that that then becomes the sole focus between the two of you is you know at that point once they start putting you on those train tracks it's like that is heading in one direction and you know nobody knows when you can get off it nobody knows when it's going to happen it's just it's everything isn't it at that point yeah and I don't know whether you know you girls have had any close friends or or family members who've gone through fertility treatment but Mm. it really does seep into every corner every aspect of your life whether you want it to or not um it's even if you're having a great day and everything's fine and you're just you know whatever you're doing you're seeing friends 
it's like it's always there tapping you on the shoulder yeah. in your next thought like remember you're infertile like do you yeah, know what I mean I totally. can laugh about it but that is how it feels because mm. you're always thinking a month at a time so when you're trying as as you know you know you're thinking a month a month at a time we've got another yeah. month yeah. to try another month to try if that stops working and then you're down the route of you know taking a something like clomiphene which is yeah. there to make you ovulate yeah I mean that you're not just trying, but you're actively trying because you really know that that drug's going to make this happen on these days. Or it does what it did to me in the latter part of the cycles of just completely confusing everything. And it it just takes over because mm, you're, yeah. it, it's like it, it almost leaves no room for anything else. That, and you'll have, you, you cancel things or you don't go to things because Drugs make you feel awful. You feel really paranoid that you're not telling maybe many people that you're doing yeah. that. Yeah. You spend your whole life thinking, oh, well, we can't book that a, a holiday or we can't do that because we might be going through treatment or we might be pregnant. Or pregnant, yeah. it's, it's just you put months and then it turns into years on hold. Quite a close member of our family had IVF, but we didn't know until after. Yeah. And, and I feel quite not guilty about that but I feel like quite oh gosh we didn't know that they were going through that for those two years and and then you think about you know the the occasions where we did get together and you Mm. maybe thought that they weren't themselves and they were quiet and do you think people do hold it back from their families because they don't want to put extra pressure onto it or do you think it's just something that some people just want to keep you know between them I think pressure you've hit the nail on the head is probably Mm. a really good word to use because when you're setting that expectation of on yourself when you're going through treatment and you think okay this might this might work this time we might be pregnant at the end of this it's almost like if you tell too many people how many people do you then have to tell it didn't work and everyone else I think especially when your friends and family know that you've already been through a lot or you've been through a long road of infertility I think for me it just felt like we told a few people in our first round and almost I got halfway through that round and I instantly regretted it because those people I had told were like so what's the next thing how are you feeling when have you got your transfer and with that round we didn't actually get to transfer because I was such a low responder that they called the whole thing off so they couldn't they couldn't um operate and couldn't take any eggs no so that's exactly exactly what happened to me actually so that's really interesting so I went through the whole course of injecting and everything and then I was just watching the eggs die off just scan by scan every few days and then they were just left with one so she said she wasn't going to go in and get them so is that what happened to you yeah, the first, yeah. So the first one, I started with loads of follicles and it was all looking yeah. really good. And then two days later, you go back and they're like, mm, so that mm. follicle's growing, but those ones aren't. Yeah. And you're like, so of course. And then, you know, we get, and then they said, oh, well, we'll delay egg collection and we'll boost up your yeah. hormones a bit more. So we did that for like another week, week or so. And then you go to the final one and they're like, mm, no, you've got one massive follicle and that's it. And I think my clinic was like, a minimum of you had to have at least five follicles for them to risk taking you to egg collection because it's a, you know it's a procedure isn't it and they yeah. don't want to get in there and find that they've put you under anesthetic for nothing and 
I find that you know, process really difficult, actually, because I, th- I felt like I was just failing every single time I went back in for my scan. So I was getting all of these stats that were being, they weren't doing it on purpose, but they were sort of saying, oh, you know, women of your age, generally normal is, you know, between five and 15 or whatever it was, or 10 and 15 eggs or whatever. And I was just like, oh, and then they kept repeating it. Oh, that's another one that's died. And there's another one that's gone. And you're, you're left with one and you're like, oh, well, we're not going to go in and take that one. So there's just that that just that you just feel like you're not operating properly as a woman I did anyway I just I walked out of there and just thought oh god I can't even do that (laughs) there's a massive sense of failure isn't there and I think also particularly when you've got to that point when you're going through treatment it was almost like a relief that we were handing over that pressure and the onus of it of the responsibility of it working, we were handing that over to medical professionals who could, obviously they could make it work, you know? (laughs) And then you get in that situation and you think, well, shit, they've done all that for me and my stupid body couldn't even play ball. And you come out thinking, great, I can't even do that. And I felt exactly the same, Zoe. I was just like, great. And I just, I couldn't, telling those people, like, or untelling those people, you know, the people who we'd already told we were going through it, I was just like, and then you answer the same set of questions, don't you? Of like, oh, well, so do you think you'll do it again? Or how long do you have to wait? And it was Keep just going. Really, yeah. 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 Like, how do yeah. I know? How do you know? You don't know. I, I get quite annoyed, I think, when I think about fertility and women in the conversation generally, because I feel like not enough is being done. I don't know if you know about my sister, Elle, but she was diagnosed with the uh, early menopause at the age of 31. So she got married came off the pill and then tried to have a baby, but she was getting all these horrendous symptoms. So night sweats, Mm -hmm. headaches, fogs. I mean, it was just awful. And then they found prolactin, which is the, you either, when they identify prolactin, it either means you're going through the menopause or it means you've got a brain tumor. So then they were like, you've got a brain tumor. And obviously it wasn't that. It transpired that she had run out of eggs and actually her contraceptive pill was masking her menopause for all of those years. They thought she might have gone through it at a much earlier age. Yeah. Um, and uh, my frustration is that you're taught in school, you know, here's a banana, here's a condom, put it on. Because when you have sex, you will get pregnant. You're going to get pregnant. And then yeah. we're never take one told time. that it's going to take, well, and, you know, sometimes that is the case. But we're never taught about that other side of the coin, which is so important in our life. And we're leaving it later to, to have our babies because of, you know, society and work and career and everything at our choice. Um, but there isn't the, I don't think there's the education behind that. I don't think we know. I don't think that conversation is being had to us I don't think the transparency between mother and daughter is there a lot of the time about when they went through the menopause or what happened with their fertility so I'm really passionate around this subject so I really feel like we need to talk about it a lot more yeah no me too and it's something that um Emma Cannon who's written the foreword for the book right. she is a you'll probably both know of Emma or heard of her she's written many books on on women's fertile health and I've had so many conversations with Emma about this and her belief based around exactly what you've just said, Zoe, of, you know, we we go into into school and we, we reach the 12, 13 and we sit in those classes and we are essentially told that our fertility is so potent that we, if we yes. dare look <laughs> at a member of the opposite sex, you know, that we'll be pregnant. Yeah, exactly. And so I think Emma has said this quite, quite well previous to me, previous to me in that, she said, it's almost like as teenage girls, we're like, don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant. don't." We, we send that message through our body and, and then we take, you know, oral contraceptive to make sure that that is really hit home in our body. And actually, 
rather than understanding our monthly cycles as girls. And she said she feels like if young women were really taught about what was normal and what they should expect and could expect in a in a length and and what their monthly cycle looks like and it should look like and feel like, she said we would pick up conditions such as endometriosis and polycystic ovaries and and other, you know, fertility challenges in women a lot younger and a lot sooner so that when they came to that point that they wanted to think about having a family, that stuff wouldn't come as a surprise to them because they would know themselves and they would know their body. But we're never taught that, are we? We're just like... Do you know what you just, yeah, just saying that, I mean, how many of us are on the pill for like 15, 16, 17 years without having a break and never actually really getting to know your cycle? I mean, I think I was on the pill really young. I used to dance, so I went on it, so I didn't have periods. So when I wore a leotard, I wouldn't feel, you know, like self-conscious. So, I mean, I was probably like 13, 14, and then you know, didn't come off it again till I was in my 20s. So yeah. I never I think really I did knew. a stint of like 14 years. Yes, yeah. Like, no, you never know what, what a real period hell? is like. Yeah, you've got no, no. idea. And oh. I think that's, to, Emma always says to me, you know, we are facing in, in her words, uh, a, in, particularly in Europe, a infertility epidemic. And that is, you know, because women are, living more when they're younger doing more with their lives more with their careers we are having babies in our 30s and 40s instead of in our 20s that time window you know is probably only moving in one direction and we get to that point and we don't understand our bodies so we think that we will stop taking that pill or stop doing whatever we're doing and and you know click magically you know we'll sneeze and get pregnant and and then when we don't we're like well what's going on here then this isn't how I planned it yeah and it's so you're so right I think we that definitely needs to come from from us I think it's our responsibility now and I certainly feel like with Olivia my daughter that is something that I I'm going to be that annoying mum who just you know Talks like about Regina, it, like yeah. Regina George's mum, who comes and sits on the edge of the bed. Like I'm not a normal mum; I'm a cool mum. Like that, that's that's how I'm gonna annoy her. Like we're talking about fertility because I think it's really important, and I'm really passionate about it. I completely agree with you, and we're all mums to, to to girls, and that conversation just has to happen. That has to happen, like you would talk about you know what happened at school that day or you know what you're going to do this with the weather (laughs) how much water have you drunk tell me about you know we just need I don't there's no shame attached to it and like you said it's completely our responsibility to to be changing to be breaking that pattern because actually I I had a mum who you know we talked about everything and she went through it early and she she I vaguely remember her having conversations with us about it but she will say you know I wish I'd sat down with Catherine and and both of you in your 20s and said to her right this is going to happen or this could happen so let's freeze your eggs because you know maybe the situation would have been different for my sister and I don't know yeah it's definitely it's definitely our responsibility now to 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 make those changes we're just going to keep chatting about it till everyone's bored aren't we hello absolutely and and how is your sister sister doing now has she has she kind of I mean obviously you might not want to talk about that at all but has she is she exploring different options or has she decided not to yeah no she's not she's decided not to to go down any other I mean 
she's just I think she's just come to the acceptance now that she's dealing with her menopause and is on HRT and she's met somebody new actually she her and her husband split very sadly but she's met someone new who's got three kids and she's kind of got a different role as stepmom and that's brought her a lot of happiness so in a way it's had a really nice happy ending but I don't think I'll ever really understand the pain she went through when that's all she wanted and that was taken away Um, yeah so yeah but it is really tough but I mean let's get back to you and like what happened so you (laughs) sorry (laughs) we're just like that we're like (laughs) um talk talk to us about um how long that process went on for and the moment that you found out you were pregnant with Olivia so we so yeah we did that the, the round that didn't get off the ground um which was Chris just before Christmas 2018 it was not long after I, I was in the middle of doing all the book stuff for Ask Me His Name because that had come out in September. So I was so busy going to a, events and talking at things and, you know, all those things that we used to be able to do yeah. in real life, <laughs> see real humans. Um, and then so that kind of came and went and we decided that we would go straight into another round because the the consultant said, you know, he thought he knew what the the problem was and that actually he could fix it by changing the length of the protocol. So I'd go on to a drug called bucerolin, which is a bitch of a drug and it just shuts your, it shuts all your hormones off. Basically if it fakes a menopause, if you like, um, which really creates some crazy emotions. Uh, zero out of 10 would not recommend oh, really? <laughs> for that drug. For that drug. Yeah. Yeah. That's the that review you my, need. That would be my that review. Is, not recommend. Yeah. Um, but just for the emotions, whoa, the emotions. Um, and I've spoken to other friends who've been on it and they're like, yeah, bucerolin, oh. Um, so no, you do that and then you go into, then you go back onto stimulation drugs and, and you kind of switch everything back on, kickstart it. So we did that round. Um, it was a lot more successful. I think we had 10 eggs from what I remember. And um, wow. five were fertilized. So the follow, we got the phone call, the dreaded phone call. Um we made it to day five with three of them. One went back in, one was no good to freeze and the other one went on ice. Um, and that round at the end of the February, because that round was really long, uh, was two months, ended in I was pregnant and we were over the moon um, again, quietly. And within a couple of days, I started bleeding and I was just like, oh, God, hell. hell. And of yeah. course, I called the I called the clinic. I called the hospital. I mean, who didn't I call? I sent a pigeon. I was just like, what is going on? Um, and within a couple of days, I was in the EPU, just sat there, early pregnancy unit, just sat there crying. And um, they knew me because they'd seen me enough for appointments with, with, with Teddy and all the stuff that went on afterwards. And... And the really kind nurse who knew me kind of ushered me into a room and said, don't worry, we'll get you to see a doctor. And they did a scan and she thought she could see a shadow on my um, fallopian tube. So she was worried it might be ectopic. And then she said, I'll take your bloods and, you know, we'll call you in the morning. Well, she called me about seven o'clock the next morning and she said, your HCG pregnancy hormone is through the roof. We're, we're convinced you've got an ectopic pregnancy. You need to come to hospital now. Um, oh and it just kind of went on for the next few weeks because I had I waited the day in in a ward waiting to have an operation called my husband he came home from came to the hospital from work um and then I remember waking up from that operation really late that night and the consultant leaning over me and she said um so we've left everything in it it wasn't an ectopic pregnancy and I was like 
okay so does any does anyone know they didn't know what it was so it was a it became a waiting game and we had to wait a week uh to have another scan and then it was a mis miscarriage and they said or you know you we can give you something to manage it now or you can have a, a dnc and i actually said no um because i felt like the last week had been a bit of a whirlwind so i went home and called the IVF clinic and asked if they could scan me because my thinking was, you know, you guys put put this back in there. Yeah. I just want your opinion on what you think is yeah. going on. Um, and my bleeding had been so intermittent that I didn't feel like I was having a miscarriage. Um, not that I'd ever had one. So I didn't really know what I was, again, looking for. I was, Dr. Google was my friend or enemy. I don't know which way you want to look at it. Yeah. Um, and... I went in for that second scan at the clinic and they said, no, we don't think it is a mis- miscarriage. We think that it's too early to see anything. Um, and actually you need to wait another week. So waited another week. And not knowing if you were pregnant or not, not knowing if the baby not. had still. <sighs> yeah. And so not telling anyone, just hiding at home, really. Um, remember my mum came to stay to try and, you know, jolly me along. And we went into the final the final scan at the clinic and she confirmed a week later it was a mis- miscarriage. So went back two days later to see my consultant and um, again went under for anaesthetic, expecting to wake up and it would all be over. And my consultant stood over me again and I think, oh, God, why, why? Um, and she said, I'm really sorry, I didn't do the procedure. I was like, why possibly? now and I remember her sort of wielding her phone screen in my face and saying and just showing me this picture which I now know to be the inside of my own uterus um and she said so we were doing it under the guidance of sonography because obviously your history of retained products we wanted to make sure that we got everything and she's a a wicked consultant she's like head of uh fetal medicine and she's amazing um and and she said and while we were scanning there there aren't there isn't one sack there are two and I was just didn't really understand what she was saying and she said if there's a possibility that this is a twin pregnancy I need to give it more time and I was just like no not more time not more time you know I've just woken up from anesthetic no not more time and so we had another week um before we went back and it was in that scan that she confirmed it it was a a twin pregnancy so the embryo had split into mono identical twins but that the the pregnancy had had failed and was failing and was not growing and so that I remember being really hard because it was like the universe had given finally it had given and it had given in such a spectacular way it was like you want a baby here's two and I you know I'd never, I'd never thought about twins. I'd never, it had never come into my mind as an even a possibility for me or something, you know, that I thought could happen. I just wanted one baby. Um, But then to have the opportunity of it and to have it taken away, you're like, and you know, it takes you back to that why can't I do this? Why am I? Yeah. Why that was my question. That was my, like, yeah. not, not that. Why, was anybody giving you any information as to why this was happening 
third time. Why? What was going on with your body? Did anybody tell you this could be because of this? It could be because of this? What? So I remember my consultant sitting with me in a couple of the review appointments where I, I mean, quite frankly, I just sat there sobbing and she, I, why was obviously the first question mm. that always came to, to my mind. And all the three things that had happened were so unrelated. It wasn't like I'd had three yeah. miscarriages of the same, yeah. of the same, exactly the same scenario. You know, if a woman falls pregnant and, you know, between seven and eight weeks, she keeps miscarrying two, three, four there's times, then mm. there's something yeah. that, but all of my, our losses had been so different. And the other two, obviously, they knew now what Teddy had had a metabolic condition, which wasn't passed on. It was a, you know, lightning strikes, one in a however many hundreds of thousands chance. The other baby, similarly, had chromosomal um, differences, not hereditary. Um, And this was just seen as a, well, actually, a lot of twin pregnancies fail early on because, you know, with a twin pregnancy comes a lot higher risk and therefore there's you know two babies to keep going and if the blood flow isn't there and things aren't quite right then that that pregnancy won't continue but it didn't that didn't help me it didn't stop me from feeling any flatter or any more hopeless I guess I felt really hopeless but you obviously kept kept going and you know how, how did you you get to your pregnancy with Olivia so we took a massive break after that because I was literally in complete fuck this land I'm not I can't do that again I remember sobbing on Teddy's third birthday just sitting there sobbing on the floor we were down in Cornwall and I just just felt really like right that's it I always bang on about hope but mine has just been completely snuffed out and I just Mm. thought no I can't do that again and we waited probably another four months or so until we thought about trying again and we um we did another round of IVF and that round. So in between that time, I'd gone back to see my consultant after that miscarriage. And she said, I'm just going to send you for another hysteroscopy camera up there. Little shifty round. Up the tu- in, into the tube, sorry. Is no, so into, just, just uh, into your uterus, have a little yeah. shifty round, check out the feng shui in there, see what's yeah. going on. And I had that. And I remember the consultant who did that. He said, yeah, you've got some debris in there. Um, Sounded like an accident on the yeah. Oh God, <laughs> debris. debris. I was like, right, cool. We'll yeah. clear that up then. Um, yeah. And he and you know, it was that appointment was over as quickly as it started, and I was out, kind of hobbling down the corridor, thinking, "What? Well, what does he mean?" And I went back in in that July, and I had an operation with my consultant again. And I remember when I woke up, and she said, "You had some scarring in your uterus that was kind of." quite close to the entrance of one of your fallopian tubes sort of round a corner and she said you know I've been in there lots of times now and I've never seen it Uh, and I I don't know how long it's been there and I was like okay so was it from this loss or and she said I I don't know but it's gone um and then when we started our our round of IVF during the September I went from being a low responder the previous year to having 42 follicles (laughs) Oh my god! Wow. Do they think that's to do? What's Gosh. that to do? Is that to do with the drugs? Do you think that had? I don't know because everything was exactly the same. So right. in the previous round, where you know we'd fallen pregnant, I'd I'd had ten eggs retrieved, and and then suddenly I had forty two follicles, and then of course the conversation goes in the other direction from not thinking about, you know, will you 
have enough eggs it was like actually we think you might have too many and if if we collect too many then you are at a massive risk of falling poorly with ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome if you get that we will not put an embryo back in everything gets frozen um and that was what happened they collected 28 eggs um and we now have 14 embryos in the freezer and so that was just mental because I was like well I don't understand and I remember sitting with the IVF consultant and he said I I don't understand (laughs) your body just seems to do its own thing each time and he said if we were to do another fresh round which he said I probably don't think we need to do now because we've got all of these guys on ice probably won't have to put you through those drugs again which is great he said I really couldn't tell you which way it was going to go um it's a learning process obviously you felt confused but did that give you like almost a big boost of hope like wow I've got a lot of chances here now like it did when I had that meeting with him when I went back in for that meeting with him I remember it was the beginning of November and he'd given me a month to you know not be so swollen anymore because OHS OHSS is like you know, in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, when Veruca Salt eats that thing and she blows up like a big purple. That one. I sent a picture of that to my friend when she was like, "How are you feeling?" I was like, "This is pretty accurate right now, mate. I can't get out of bed." Oh. Um, it was horrible. It was horrible. Um, so I, I, he kind of let that fade off, and I remember going in for that meeting. We, we both did, and we sat there, and um, and that was exactly what he called them. He said, "You've got fourteen chances." Wow. And he said, I know that it feels awful right now that you've just gone through all of this again and you didn't, we didn't get to transfer. And he said, but with the amount of embryos we now have banked, he said, I I would like to say, I would be confident in saying that you probably don't have to put yourself through that again and we've got enough. And he said, all you need to do is have another period, call us and we'll do your next cycle. So I was so focused on that. And um, I was going to call him at the beginning of December and then my period never came. Oh, God. Oh. And that was our daughter. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, oh after, so after being told at a previous scan that I had had in the November that I was not ovulating after all of that, everything would broken and stopped and I was not ovulating, um, which I wasn't surprised because my ovaries had just gone wild. I just thought, well, you know, well, that's fine. We've got all these guys in the freezer. We'll just wait and we'll soon. we were due to start drugs in the end of December. I would have been back on the Bucerolin and, um, and my period didn't come and I thought oh here we go it's it's done a runner again and so I waited a couple of days I waited a couple more days and then it was my husband's birthday we were going into London for lunch and I thought just gonna have a little rummage around in the cupboard you know you don't go through fertility stuff without having a few sticks around in the back of the cupboard and I just grabbed the one that you know should have used for our last round and never got to and I remember you know, sitting on the loo, looking at this little window with these two like ruby red lines and just like <gasps> quaking, like literally I was shaking and I, I, I couldn't understand, like I genuinely couldn't understand. And I was Did like, you fall pregnant naturally? Mm-hmm. <gasps> oh my God. Oh my God. She gave me goosebumps. Oh, when, when you just, and so then I had, when I did eventually, you know, 
say when I was quite pregnant that I, that I was expecting, people were writing to me saying, what did you do? What did you do differently? And I was like, uh, gave up all hope on life. <laughs> like, like I laugh about it now, but literally after all those years of focusing so hard on just that being the thing that we wanted so much, it was that, that tiny yeah. time frame window where I didn't think about it that, mu- yeah. that month and I'm not being one of those people who says don't think about it just relax you will get pregnant because that's bullshit um what I'm saying is for me I was so focused on just doing IVF again because that for me was the only way that this was go- going to ever be possible that I don't know what happened but wow I, mean, I could cry. I, I mean, could cry. I know. My hands I know, are free. Don't... Got goosebumps everywhere. Have you? I, this book, I cannot <laughs> wait to read it. Um, Elle, I feel like we could sit here and chat to you. In fact, I just want us all to be best, the bestest friends that there ever were, <laughs> um, because you are so phenomenal in so many ways. But we've kept you oh. long enough. And just tell us where we can buy the book. Um, and it's out today. Yeah. So the a bump in the road is out today. Um, it is available online, Amazon, Waterstone, your local high street bookshop, always very important. We need to yes, support those yes. guys. Um, Absolutely. It also is like, ask me his name, it's making a donation to Tommy's charity through every copy sold. So hopefully we can raise some money for those guys Incredible. as well. Incredible. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. much. Thank you. Thank Unbelievable. You. I just, I'm completely taken aback by her bravery. Well, there were so yeah. many points during that chat where I, I thought, oh God, I'm going to start crying here and goosebumps and just so moved by what she's been through. Yeah, I mean, she speaks so well and I just, just you know, around around everything that she said, I mean, I, I found it so empowering and just great to listen to yeah. and just, I mean, unbelievable. Real learning. She, she speak mm. like that, yeah. But, you know, around fertility, for sure it's definitely something that I feel that I'm going to talk about more I I didn't struggle personally but you know when you've got a friend who's like right I'm going to get married when I'm this age and then we're going to start trying for a baby and then we're going to get pregnant this time I feel like I am now going to be the person to step in and be like you know just just don't 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 plan your life like that you know things I don't want to be a scaremongerer but I do think it's so important for people to know that it just doesn't happen like that it really doesn't happen like that I I, there's very rarely stories that you hear where people are like oh we got pregnant on honeymoon and then we had a baby nine months later and it's all wonderful that's so rare um and I think, you know, in films and on TV programs, that's the way we're led to believe that it happens. And it's just not the case. Yeah. And also, um, you know, we touched on it, didn't we? The fact that it's our responsibility to talk to mm. our children about their fertility. And I really feel like we need to make a change there. And as much as our parents did a, a fantastic job, this is not a blame situation. We now have so much more knowledge, just different, yeah. different different age you know and that is a conversation that I want to have with them as much as they want to hear it and when they don't want to hear it I'm still going to be having that conversation with with them because it's it's super important you know knowledge is power and I I I know I sort of talked about this but I often go back to that moment that you know had my sister Catherine known more then things might have been different for her so I think we owe it to our own kids to give them all of that info and also yeah if you're listening 
and you don't know, you know, that we have lots of people that are, are sort of not even, you know, they're not parents yet. If you don't know about your your history, go and speak to your mum, go and speak to, find out when she went through the menopause, find out at what age it was, find out what it was like so that we can all be prepared for it. Um, yeah, and listen to your body, like look at your, you know, your cycles, try and track what's normal, you know, what's not normal. I think that's something that's, it actually, it, I find it incredible that there's so many of us who, you know, go on hormonal contraceptive when we're in our teens and we don't come off of it until we want to have a baby. Yeah. And we've never really got to understand our bodies nope. or what it's doing. And I think that's something that I'm definitely going to talk to Gigi about is that, okay, Gigi, you know, you're whatever age you are, you don't want to be pregnant right now but one day you might want to be yeah and in order to do that it's not just stopping whatever contraception you're on and it Mm. happening Mm. it's understanding your body you know like she said like um Elle was saying your your brain is sending a message to your body don't get pregnant don't get pregnant don't get pregnant don't get pregnant and isn't it unbelievable the power that the mind has that as soon as she stopped thinking even about telling your body to get pregnant she just got pregnant yeah um yeah so I just think it's about teaching girls that you know one day you might want this and so we need to you know listen to our bodies and understand them um so that when we do want it to happen hopefully we'll know if there are any complications and we can find them early yeah exactly and also i think georgia and i just want to say the math you know the biggest thank you to l because if we're being really honest we were a bit nervous um going into the chat because we've never suffered baby loss and yeah you know it's we didn't know if we were going to be able to ask the questions and whether they were the right questions or whether we were going to say something, you know, slip of the tongue and something comes out and it's not received right. But Elle was just so warm and welcoming and she actually said to us, she was like, no questions are off limits, so just go for it. And it just set us both at ease as well. And it was just a really wonderful chat. So yeah, massive thank you to Elle. Uh, And thank you to you guys as always for listening and engaging. Thank you for sending us all of your suggestions. As always, we would love you to rate, review, subscribe and follow the podcast. And please, please, please tell anybody in your life that needs to be listening to these chats <laughs> give them a nudge and tell them they need to catch up with the times to start listening to podcasts yeah exactly <laughs> they need to get on the podcast train um and our dms are always open just drop us a message any feedback on today's episode or any you know episode you'd like to see come up then please uh, we are all ears just drop us a dm we're on at made by mamas or on zoe's own channel at zoe hardman and we'll be back on friday Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.